It is week two of Japanese July. And like I said last week, I promise this isn't some sort of anti-Japanese propaganda campaign. It's just there. I In doing my research, I saw a lot of patterns develop where uh, Japan had just some exceptionally terrible stories. And I thought it was odd considering their, their general... Uh, outlook and, and image that they portray to the world is is very happy you know if you think of anime and just how you know I don't know peppy and happy I don't know it just it, it was odd to me but um you know despite that uh, this week's story does not make Japan look very good it's our weird world our weird world Welcome to Our Weird World. I'm your host, John Henson, and this week is, again, going to just just be no bueno. Um, honestly, there's no real setup to this story. It's just a sad story. So let's get into it. Story time. Junko Furuta. I assume that's how... You say her name, J-U-N-K-O, Junko, Junko, probably Junko, probably Junko, uh, Furuta, F-U-R-U-T-A, Furuta, Junko Furuta, Junko Furuta, all right, anyway, um, she was born on January 18th, 1971 in Misato, Japan. Uh, she was a relatively normal girl who worked a part-time job after school to earn some extra money. She was one of the most popular girls in her high school, and many of the other students were just really envious of just how beautiful she was. I mean, she was pretty much like the one girl that everyone had in their high school that just somehow was able to do it all. You know, she had the good grades. She was like the hottest girl in class. And she also just had a part-time job. Like she was very career focused. Like just had everything. Um, One student in particular, Hiroshi Miyano was especially smitten with her. And the problem with that was uh, Hiroshi was the school bully and was a suspected member of the Yakuza, which was a well-known Japanese crime syndicate. I think they still exist today. So because of that, Hiroshi typically got what he wanted, but Junko constantly turned down his request for to take her out on a date. And uh, Hiroshi wasn't used to someone opposing him, and it really got on his nerves. So on November 25th, 1988, Hiroshi and his friend Nobuharu Minato were walking around the city of Misato looking for women to rape because that's just how they chose to spend their free time. It's kind of what the Yakuza does. Um, when they saw Junko riding home from work on her bike, Hiroshi ordered Minato to knock her off the bike and run away. And once he did that, Hiroshi quickly ran up acting like Junko's knight in shining armor and offered to walk her home. Uh, you know, Junko was obviously shaken by that, and she agreed to let, you know, uh, Hiroshi walk her home. Instead, uh, Hiroshi led her to an abandoned warehouse where he raped her before taking her to a nearby hotel and raped her again. He told uh, Junko about his Yakuza connections and that he had no problem at all killing her if she didn't do what he wanted. And so at 3 a.m., with Junko just complying to everything, Hiroshi took her to a park where Minato and two other Yakuza members were waiting to gang rape her. Two days later, 
Uh, Junko's parents decided to call the police and report their daughter missing. Why they waited two days when Junko just didn't come home from the night before, I, I don't know. There's a lot of questionable parenting in the world. Um, when police started, you know, when news got out that the police were searching for Junko, Hiroshi forced her to call her parents and tell them that she had run away and was staying with a friend. She was, she also, um, Hiroshi also forced her to tell her mother to have police cancel the investigation because, you know, obviously she wasn't really missing. She just ran away. Um, when, you know, like the Yakuza and Hiroshi, like they still needed to bring Junko around and, and make sure that everybody was keeping up appearances. And so Junko was actually forced to pose as Minato's girlfriend. So his parents wouldn't suspect anything whenever the gang went over to hang out. However, Minato's parents were already aware of Hiroshi's Yakuza connections and feared any sort of retaliation if they did anything to help the girl. So like Minato's parents, like they knew Junko was in trouble. But because Hiroshi and the Yakuza had such a reputation, like they bowed to this little high school kid and just let him do whatever he wanted. Um, even more, Minato's brother knew what was going on. So it wasn't just, you know, Minato's parents, it was his brother too. Like they knew what was going on and no one did anything. Over the next month, Junko was raped over 400 times by four different men. And as if that wasn't enough, they also hung her from the ceiling and used her as a punching bag. They starved her aside from the times they forced her to eat live bugs and drink her own urine. They also dropped dumbbells on her stomach. They took turns inserting foreign objects into her body like lit fireworks and light bulbs. Um, yeah, it, you know, it, it was really bad. I told you. I told you this was going to be bad. <laughs> Um, after another boy was bullied into raping Junko, he ran home and told his parents who immediately called police. When officers arrived at Minato's house where Junko was being kept, Minato's parents told police that there wasn't actually a girl there, but they were welcome to come look around if they wanted. And because the police officers believed that no criminal would openly invite officers into a home where a young girl was actively being raped, the officers were like, no, nah, it's cool. Like, we believe you. It's fine. And then they just left. At one point, Junko tried to call the police on her own, and when Hiroshi caught her, he told police, like, he just grabbed the phone from her, he told police it was all a big misunderstanding and for them not to worry about it. And police were like, all right, cool, yeah, we believe you, sure, all right. As punishment for trying to escape, Junko's legs were covered in lighter fluid and set on fire. Um, Hiroshi also shoved a large bottle into Junko's body. You go ahead and just imagine which part, um, and that caused her to start convulsing, and Hiroshi thought that she was faking the seizure to try to get out of it. And so Hiroshi just set her on fire again. <laughs> Somehow, Junko survived all of that. And when she begged the men to just go ahead and kill her, they refused and just locked her in a freezer. Um, because of all of her injuries, she eventually lost control of her bladder and her bowels. And she was ultimately beaten each time she had, you know, an accident. By January, she'd become so disfigured that the boys lost sexual interest in her and found a 19-year-old woman to start raping instead. On January 4th, the boys challenged Junko to a game of Mahjong. Um, you know, the little, I don't know, it's like little Japanese tiles that you match, and they're all in a pattern, and you just kind of keep matching them until you win. Um, despite barely being able to move, Junko won the game. And her prize for winning uh, was she was let go. And uh, everyone... Uh, you know, Hiroshi and all the Yakuza were brought down and they were put away forever. And Junko was hailed as a national hero. No, just kidding. That didn't happen at all. Um, she was beat for two hours and um, her eyelids were burned with hot wax. 
uh, more dumbbells were dropped on her body and she was set on fire again. At that point, Junko finally died. Uh, realizing and, and realizing they'd be charged with murder, uh, Hiroshi and the three others wrapped Junko's body in blankets, stuffed it into a suitcase, tossed it in a 55-gallon drum, and then filled it with concrete. And then they loaded the drum onto a truck in Tokyo and went back home and tried to act like nothing ever happened. Uh, two weeks later, thankfully, Hiroshi and one of the other men were arrested for the gang rape of the 19-year-old woman they had replaced uh, with you know Junko with. And somehow, though, they walked free for that. You know, they were arrested for the rape of the other woman, still got off free. Two months after that, two officers came to question Hiroshi after uh, a pair of women's underwear had been found in his home. One of the officers led Hiroshi to kind of believe that they knew about Junko's murder, even though they were actually talking about a different murder that had taken place a week before Junko was ever even abducted. Um, however, Hiroshi confessed to everything that had happened to Junko and told officers where they could find the body. All four men, Hiroshi included, uh, pleaded guilty to, quote, committing bodily harm that resulted in death, which was a far lesser charge than murder and rape and all of that. Uh, Hiroshi was sentenced to 17 years in prison, but he appealed and got three years added. So, you know, silver lining there, I guess. Um, however, Every single person involved in uh, Junko Furuta's murder uh, is free today, out walking the streets of Japan. And that kind of sucks. So, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's the story. Um, I... Do we, do we even want to recap what we learned here? Probably not. But uh, yeah, let's do it anyway. What did we learn? Number one, don't mess with anyone in the Yakuza. They will rape you and burn you and ultimately kill you and stuff your body in a drum and then also get away with it. Uh, number two, even though she'd been beaten to a pulp, Junko still was able to beat people in Mahjong, which is probably the only bright spot of this entire story. Uh, and number three, Japanese laws suck. Uh, no one involved in this should be free right now, but everybody's free. <laughs> Next week on Our Weird World, it gets worse, if you can believe it or not. Uh, I'm going to tell you the story of serial killer Sutomu Miyazaki. Uh, a lot of little Japanese girls die in this story, so get ready for that. Uh, but yeah, otherwise, thank you for listening. Tell all your friends, you know, maybe, I don't know, if they're sensitive, tell them to start listening next month. Uh, but keep it weird. Keep it weird.